0: Today's guest, Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, an international speaker, author, and rabbi for
1: over 30 years.
0: well-known critic of Zionism. What
1: is a Jew? Definition of a Jew is it's a religion. Job description given by God. We are only a people, because of our faith, are obligated to fulfill these commandments. Zionist plan was to change the definition of a Jew to a nationality. They stripped Judaism of religious content, left the husk of whatever they could fit into their nationalism. Zionism is its own religion. Artificial Jewish flavoring started creating cultural centers and schools and brainwashing. Zionists had to convince the Jews that you are not what you think you are. A Jew is not a race. There are Jews of all races. A Jew is not an ethnicity. You can't convert to an ethnicity, and Jews are also not a nationality. The Jews had no flag. Difficult to believe that Ivanka Trump and Sammy Davis Jr., who converted to Judaism, are both of the same ethnicity. I often confuse them. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B.
2: What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Schertzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if you claim to be the real Jews, but you run around killing and stealing all the time.
0: Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. So Rabbi, I don't have a bio for you, but I just found one online. Is that going to be okay to read or would you prefer to send me something that you already have? I just realized I I prefer to ask.
1: It depends if I wrote the bio or the Zionists did. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, Where'd it's, you get it from? Honestly, ICMS? sometimes
2: they put together some nice stuff for us. Like they've got me a Canary Mission page that details all <laughs> of the activism that I've done for Palestine. I forgot I did some of that. I was like,
0: wow, that's, that's pretty good. Today's guest is Rabbi Yakov Shapiro, an international speaker, author, and rabbi for over 30 years. Amongst his areas of research are religious philosophy, analytic theology, Talmud and biblical exegesis, is a well-known critic of Zionism, and his most recent work, The Empty Wagon, Zionism's Journey from Identity Crisis to Identity Theft, is a 1,381-page treatise on the differences between Judaism and Zionism. It is perhaps the most comprehensive work written on the subject. Rabbi Shapiro, welcome to the Palestine Pod.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
2: We're so honored to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I consider you like the LeBron James of Jews.
1: I consider LeBron James the rabbi of sports.
2: Hilarious
1: response.
2: This interview is going to be amazing. I say that because you're always dunking on Zionists, and that's just nice to see Jews dunk.
1: <laughs> that's very good. The real truth is that the Zionists dunk on Jews. Rather than the Jews dunking on Zionists, Zionism itself was created as a substitute for Judaism, a replacement for Judaism, and and a way to negate Judaism.
2: Yeah, so that takes us to our first question. What is a Jew?
1: Hmm. Well, let's, that's a very good question, and it's a question that uh, Zionists are unable to answer uh, because they they negated the real definition. When I say the real definition, I mean the only... Intellectually consistent one. Let's first start with what a Jew is not. A Jew is not a race. There are Jews of all races. There are black Jews and white Jews, brown Jews. A Jew is not an ethnicity. There are Jews of all sorts of ethnicities. It's not makes no sense to say that the Ethiopian Jews and the Yemenite Jews are of the same ethnicity as the German and Russian Jews. It also makes no sense to say that you can convert to an ethnicity, even though you can convert to Judaism. It would be difficult to believe that um, Ivanka Trump and uh, Sammy Davis Jr., who claims to have converted to Judaism, are both of the same ethnicity, right? Um, I don't know. I often confuse them. (laughs) A lot of people are confused when they talk about the Zionist definition of Judaism. So you're, you're in, you have a lot of company there. There are real converts to Judaism. Um, King David came from an ethnic Moabite family. Ruth converted to Judaism, and King David is her great-great-grandson. You can convert to an ethnicity. In addition, by Jewish law, if your father is not Jewish and your mother is Jewish, you are 100% Jewish. That doesn't follow the DNA rules of ethnicity. Ethnicity depends on your ancestry and your culture and things like that. But Judaism does not. There are actual, very precise rules and guidelines as to what constitutes a Jew and what does not. And this has been uh, held upheld for thousands of years. Jews are also not a nationality. Jews have had no national characteristics, meaning we've had no a common land, language, or culture for thousands of years. The Jews had no flag. The Jews had no national anthem. Jews didn't even have a national symbol. The Star of David wasn't a national symbol of Jews. It was, it's a Kabbalistic symbol. It represents uh, certain concepts in Judaism, but it's not the symbol of our religion. I and mean, it has no holiness in it. Uh, you're allowed to throw it on the floor or in the garbage or something like that. It's not considered a Jewish holy object or a Jewish holy symbol. The definition of a Jew is it's a religion. But there are non-religious Jews. That's true. And the reason for that is because every religion has its rules. And the rule of Judaism says that when God gave the Torah to Moses on Mount Sinai, Whoever the Torah at that point required to fulfill the law of God, the 613 commandments, that by definition means you're a Jew. If you weren't obligated by that revelation to fulfill the 613 commandments, you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Gentiles are obligated to fulfill seven commandments, Jews 613. Whoever is obligated to fulfill the 613 is considered a Jew whether they believe that or not. Now, there are Jews in good standing, Jews in bad standing. There are traitorous Jews. There are treacherous Jews. But a Jew who was born is a Jew if he is obligated to fulfill the 613 commandments. So if you really want to be precise, being a Jew in the most accurate way to describe it is a job description given by God. God said you are deputized into this Religion, you're obligated to fulfill these commandments, whether you do them or not. The obligation, the job description, uh, defines you as a Jew. Now, there are all sorts of legal uh, questions that we have regarding very precise, very, very precise laws as to what can, what's considered a convert. You can convert into Judaism. You can, cannot convert out of Judaism. If a pregnant woman converts, her child is considered Jewish when it's born. It's a question. It's a disagreement amongst Jewish scholars whether the child is considered a convert, having converted together with the mother, or is it considered born Jewish, because the mother converted before the baby was born? It's a, a question in our, uh, you know, legal scholars. It's a disagreement. Uh, The difference is because if a child is converted when he's a minor, uh, when he comes of age, he has the ability to renounce his conversion and say, I don't want to be Jewish. If you're born Jewish, you don't have that right. If a woman is converted while she's pregnant and she has a baby, when that baby becomes of age, uh, bar mitzvah or bas mitzvah, uh, is that baby now, who's an adult, allowed to renounce their Judaism? Is he it, is it considered born Jewish or converted? So these are questions.
2: Zionists would be like, they are Jewish if they can shoot a gun.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? That was actually uh, Jabotinsky kind of sort of hinted at that. Uh, you know the quote, he says, as far as what we need to teach our children is how to shoot, you know? Now, the Zionists didn't want this definition of Jew. The Zionists, I'll give you a little a quick history of how Zionism came into existence. They looked at Jews the same way the anti-Semites did. These were assimilated Jews, non-religious Jews, who looked at Jews as disgusting, immoral, weak, ugly, cowardly. And all the types of stereotypes that you find amongst the anti-Semites, you find in the original uh, early Zionist writings. Their first solution was to assimilate. Theodor Herzl, who was one of these people who really didn't like Jews, he had an idea to convert all Jews to Christianity. He wrote about it in his diary. There was this fantasy he had where all the Jews are going to line up one Sunday afternoon, I believe it was Sunday if I remember right, and go to church and be baptized and convert, except Herzl himself is going to be the last Jew and then there won't be any more anti-Semitism, and not only that, but Jews will forget that they're Jews, they won't be Jews anymore, and they will live happily ever after. Anti-Semitism was attributed to the faults of the Jews, besides the anti-Semites' own inadequacies. They figured that if you change the Jews, the anti-Semites won't hate them anymore. So basically, the Zionist plan was to change uh, to end anti-Semitism by changing Semitism, as far as Jews are concerned, by eliminating that. The problem with the original plan, um, assimilation, is that it didn't work. In the late 1800s, there were pogroms, primarily in Russia, which, uh, cho- which showed the Zionists, or the assimilated Jews, actually, that uh, assimilation assimilated Jews are still Jews and they're still hated. But now that's where the identity crisis comes in. Uh, the subtitle of my book is Zionism's Journey from Identity Crisis to Identity Theft. The Zionists didn't understand this. They, they were thinking, why, why do people hate us if we're just like the Gentiles? We're just regular Russians. Why do they look at us as Jews? And that's a very good question. I once asked an anti-Semite, a real famous, I don't want to say his name, a real famous anti-Semite, how do you decide who's a jew he says well whoever identifies as a jew is jewish now was
2: it netanyahu
1: <laughs> ah, very good no no uh, netanyahu would have had another answer although he i do consider him an anti-semite the zionists had said to themselves hey we we, we don't want to be jews but the gentiles won't let us be gentiles so what are we they were, that was the identity crisis, and many scholars have used that phrase in various contexts. It was an identity crisis. So they came up with what I call identity theft. We're going to change the definition of Jew. Nationalism was just starting in those days, this was the 1800s, it was, uh, it was the Balkan people and others, the nation states started being formed in, in those days and they said hey be nationalism worked for so many people let it work for the jews as well so we're going to change the definition of jew to a nationality until the zionists nobody looked at the jews as a nationality there was some maybe uh, spinoza was a quirky exception you know which is one of the reasons he was excommunicated because he just wanted to change the definition of jew but nobody really followed any of this stuff uh, there were early Zionists like Moses Hess and even Emma Lazarus, you know, who wrote that uh, poem on the Statue of Liberty. Uh, she was a Zionist too. There were pre-Herzellian Zionists who believed this, but uh, it was just started in the 1800s. And that was the plan. Uh, so the plan was to change the definition of a Jew to a nationality. And the idea was that once the Jews changed their definition, the way they look at themselves, the world will change the way they look at the Jews as well. The Jews will also, by changing the way they look at themselves, change their personalities, change their ideology, change the way they act, the way they behave, and change their aspirations and their values. Whereas previously, Jews were, as the Bible describes it, Mamlechus kaihanim V'goi Kodosh which means a people who are enjoined by God to fulfill this religion. Uh, Think Shaolin temples, that type of thing, except instead of a mountaintop, they were in ghettos. And the Jews themselves, about a thousand years ago, were the ones that suggested they live in ghettos. They wanted to be separate, socially and culturally separate from the rest of society, loyal to the countries that they live, absolutely. But culturally, and socially separate because we have our own laws, we have our own lifestyle, and they were. Uh, There were assimilated Jews that didn't like that, and when they had a chance to break out of the ghetto, they did, thinking, as I mentioned, that assimilation is going to end anti-Semitism and they're going to be like everybody else. When they saw that didn't work, then they tried nationalism. Nationalism is another name. For Zionism, Jewish nationalism, that's all Zionism is. But the thing to know about Zionism is that whereas the Kurds, for example, look at themselves as a nationality and they're trying to find a state, right? The Jews never did. The Zionists had to convince the Jews that you are not what you think you are. You are not the Mamlechis Kaihanim VeGoy Kodosh. You are not a people who are enjoined by God to fulfill this religion. These religious laws. You are a nation. You need a language. You need a flag. You need a country. Because Jews didn't share a language for two thousand years, M- more than two th- for thousands of years. We hadn't spoken Hebrew in biblical times. They did, but that wasn't the national language of the Jewish people. Meaning that's not what united us into being a people. The only thing that united us into being a people is our Torah, our faith. It was so well known. That this quote, that we are only a people because of our faith, it's over a thousand years old, uh, and it was like the, the meme uh, of Jewish identity. Even Theodore Herzl mentions it in his, in his diary. Everybody knew that. The Zionists had to change that. And because Jews had no flag, they had no land, common language uh, culture or land, the Zionists had to provide them with it. The Zionists set out to synthesize a new nationality, but instead of creating a new nationality out of nothing, we'll, stand and we'll call like ourselves the... Like the cana- canism that you refer ca- to. Cana- the canonim, yes. Can- yeah. So the, Yes, very good. There was this small group of kind of like Zionists called the canonim that decided to create a new nation. The Canaan is named after the people who are occupying, who are living in the Holy Land before Joshua came in there and uh, conquered it. And they decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to make a new nationality. We're the Canaanim. It didn't never hit it off because why would anybody identify with that? So the Zionists, Theodore Herzl mostly had this, this brilliant idea you know, if you want to take somebody's, if you want to change your identity, witness protection program or something, you can get the government to give you a whole new identity and that'll work. But there's a lot of resources and uh, time and effort spent to create such. a There's another way to do it. That's easier. Kill somebody that's around your age, steal his papers, steal his birth certificate, steal his license, steal his identity. And you're him. That's what the Zionists did to the Jews collectively we're going to erase jewish identity we're going to take their history change it a bit we're going to take their um identity we're going to take their self image we're going to take their we're going to take jewishness and we're going to make it into zionism we're going to get the jews a flag there was a zionist flag before there was a state of israel we're going to get the jews a language there was a zionist language modern hebrew was created by the Zionists before there was a state of Israel because they wanted to supply the Jews with national characteristics, national symptoms, national equipment. And the last, the hardest part was the country. They stole Jewish history. They they revised all of Jewish history. They had this nonsense that Jews for thousands of years were looking for national self-determination, which is not true. We were looking for a messianic renewal of the world. Zionists will tell you, it's so funny uh, how they do this, they'll tell you how Jews always always for thousands of years would say at the end of the Passover Seder, next year in Jerusalem. Yes, we hear this all the time. Yeah, so let me tell you a secret that they're not telling you. Today, the Jews in Jerusalem also say that. So if you're sitting in Jerusalem, yes, and you have a Passover Seder, (laughs) you end it by saying next year in Jerusalem. Now, the reason for that is that the Jerusalem that we are in context of our prayers praying for and hoping for and asking for is not a Jerusalem that we have today. It's uh, a Jerusalem that's that's, um, governed by a resurrected King David, resurrected from the dead. With God's uh, revelation, the revelation of God's uh, oneness and uh, holiness uh, revealed to the entire world where the wolf lays down with the lamb. It's that Jerusalem that we're looking for. Okay, yes, the city is Jerusalem, but it's empty today. It's kind of like a husk of the real Jerusalem. It has a certain amount of holiness, certainly, but it's not King David's Jerusalem. The throne of David is not there. The Messiah is not there. That's what we were looking for. They stripped, they stripped, emptied uh, Judaism of religious content, left the husk of whatever they could fit into their nationalism, and then um, they redid history, redid uh, ideology, uh, and, and just started creating cultural centers and schools and an entirely new, it was a social engineering project, but one thing they were unable to steal, and that's the definition of a Jew. Considering what the definition of a Jew is, it depends on Torah law. Whoever the Torah says is obligated in the commandments is a Jew. So now, how are the Zionists going to define a Jew? You see, we have these precise laws. If your father's Jewish and your mother's not, you're not Jewish. If your mother's Jewish and your father is not, you are Jewish. If you convert, you're Jewish. And conversion means to accept these 613 commandments. And once you convert to Judaism, you cannot convert out of Judaism. So how are they going to define Jew? So they didn't really bother because they can't. It's like I wrote, wrote in my book. It's like trying to figure out what 2 plus 2 is without recognizing the number four four doesn't exist now let's figure out two plus two it was impossible they couldn't do it jews aren't a race though although jabotinsky said jews are a race it didn't make any sense jews are not a uh, tribe we have no head of a tribe there's no infrastructure of a tribe whoever heard of this tribe we actually consist of 12 tribes uh in biblical times and now most people don't even know which tribes they come from although it's mostly two of them, but we're not a tribe, we're not a nationality, we don't fit any of those things. Here's a question. If Jews are anything but a religion, can you have Christian Jews? Can a Jew practice Christianity? If a Jew is an ethnicity, so why can't he practice Christianity? Why can't we have Muslim Jews? Now, actually, the Zionists, the early Zionists debated this, and try to they were banging their heads against the wall trying to figure out a solution to this dilemma. How are we going to define Jew? And there was a great disagreement between them whether or not you actually could have Muslim Jews and Christian Jews. Israel Zangville said that when Jews get a state, so the holy sepulcher will be guarded by Jews that are Christians and the Omar Mosque by Jews who are Muslims. Others said, no, we don't like that. But they never really answered the question until they couldn't kick the can down the road anymore. The problem is they wrote a law of return, which means that Jews have a right to come to Israel and become citizens. Okay, now it's a legal category, Jew. Now you have to legally define it are you going to follow the religious definition? Well, you're not a religious country. You're not following the religion. You don't... In fact, the, the Zionists, they refused even to mention the word God in their Declaration of Independence.
2: They probably knew he'd be pretty upset.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, they, the The Knesset got together and decided basically that, well, if you're born Jewish, you're Jewish. Well, according to whose definition... That still hasn't been exactly decided to this day. But if you're born Jewish, you're Jewish. They did have a chief rabbinate, and they kind of left the status quo that we're going to follow the religious definition. But if you practice another religion like Christianity, this is today's Israeli law, then you're not entitled to the law of return. Or if you're born a Jew and you're Jews for Jesus or uh, you practice Islam, you, let's say, converted to Islam, but you were born Jewish, you're not considered a Jew. But if you were born Jewish and you're an atheist, you are a Jew.
0: Zionists don't believe in God, but he, they believe that he gave them the land sort of thing.
1: Yeah, there are people that say that. Exactly. So now, now here's the problem. You see, without Judaism, what value is the Holy Land? The Holy Land is the Holy Land. That's what it is to us, a holy land. It's not a national homeland. Uh, Got a lot of
2: nice beaches, I think, is the appeal. Uh,
1: Being an Orthodox Jew, I would not know. But (laughs) I can tell you it has a lot of holy sites. It's a wonderful place, and the borders of the Holy Land are not exactly the borders of Israel. The southern town Lot is not part of our Holy Land, and southern Lebanon, somewhere south of Beirut, is the holy land
2: the occupation is kind of confused about the concept of borders right they're not the best to ask about that
1: they they couldn't even decide whether they wanted the holy land or somewhere else you know they had the uganda plan they had other things and theodore herzl who was the masterminds behind zionism he said no listen guys we we want the Holy Land because, remember, this is like identity theft. He didn't use these words. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He said, for marketing purposes, we need to get the Jews to identify with our movement. So we're going to use Jewish symbols, uh, phrases that are familiar, concepts that are precious and we're just going to twist them a bit. Kind y- of.
0: Yeah. You, you know auto- what's interesting? that mm-hmm. On this specific topic, you refer to one of the Zionists in your book who actually re- recommended the land of Palestine over other lands for the reason that Jews could change their socioeconomic status there. hmm You say, for example, Jews who immigrated to America tended to remain in the same types of jobs that they had in Europe. Jews in Russia were not involved in farming or agriculture, for example. If the Jews would collectively move to Palestine, they could develop it into a comprehensive social and economic community where Jews could normalize not only their lifestyles, but also their occupations. So there was this notion that it was also not only for religious reasons, but there was this idea that Palestine would make sense from an economic perspective.
1: It wasn't for religious reasons at all. Um, they they wanted the Jews to get together and start a new economy wherever it was. You know, Herzl uh, wanted—actually, the Orthodox Jews, there was a small amount of Orthodox Jews, very misguided, who thought, mistakenly, that they could kind of exploit the Zionists, that the Zionists will help find a place where the Jews can go, where there won't be any anti-Semitism, and as far as ideology and Jewish identity— The rabbis will take care of that. The Zionists presented themselves to many Jews as simply wanting a practical solution to anti-Semitism. That was propaganda. And the rabbis actually said, we don't need the Holy Land. Let's take Uganda because Rabbi Rhinus was their leader. That was his name. He said, because if we're just looking for a safe place, why do we have to have the Holy Land? And Herzl, who was anti-religious, he didn't like religious Jews. He said, no, we need the Holy Lands because marketing purposes. We want the Jews to feel a sense of being Jewish, but not as a religion, as a nationality. We want them to have a sense of this is a familiar place, the place they've always longed for, but not as a messianic renewal of the world, as a national homeland. You see, artificial Jewish flavoring and artificial Jewish coloring, that's what they did. So it's like taking, I don't know, an apricot-flavored jelly belly and uh, trying to get nutrition from it and serving it to these people that eat apricots and say, look, we got this new apricot for you. It It was bait. It was a generations and generations of, it was brainwashing. Now, different Zionists had different ideas. uh, Ben-Gurion said the Jews don't have a definition. And Herzl, when they asked Herzl, it was a British committee, what Jewish nationalism is, he said, well, you know what a nation is. A nation is a recognizable, cohesive group of people held together by a common enemy. And he asked Herzl, they asked Herzl, who's the common enemy to the Jews? And he said, the anti-Semites. Meaning? And he wrote in his, his book, uh, The Jewish State, that uh, we are forced to be a nation, distress, meaning anti-Semitism, binds us together. According to Herzl, whoever the anti-Semites hate, they're Jewish. So remember I told you I asked an anti-Semite once, Who's, uh, who do you hate? And he says, well, whoever identifies as a Jew. So now you go over to Herzl and you say, okay, no problem. I had, why do you identify as a Jew? He says, because these anti-Semites hate me.
2: Okay. So it's very circular. I'm trying to get time off and nobody will approve it type of situation.
1: <laughs> you don't even know who your employer is or what you're taking time off from. They don't even know what it is to be Jewish. They can't define it because there is a, and their plan was, and it still is. And I'll, I'll show you how even the last few years, even past five years since I wrote that book, they've been progressing along this trajectory of trying to, make the Jews forget all of these questions that I'm asking and identify as Israeli nationals. I'm not Israeli. I'm not Palestinian. I'm an American who, by religion, practices Judaism. I have no more connection with it than my neighbor on this side who's uh, Christian, my neighbor on that side who's actually Muslim. And I. I even those Jews that side with the Palestinians, right? They they do so because they feel we are Jews and therefore we must speak about it. I say that whether those Jews are JVP or whether those Jews are Orthodox Jews that do this, you know, or whether they're the left wing. So... If they're doing it because they're Jews and they feel that as Jews they need to object to what Israel's is doing, my question is, why do you feel that because you're Jewish, you must object to what Israel's doing any more than you feel you must object to what Ukraine is doing or Russia or China is doing? So you see, all of these groups, if somebody wants to say, you know what, I'm a human rights uh, activist, I want to get involved in this a particular uh, issue no problem but if somebody says i'm jewish and because i'm jewish i feel an obligation to object to what israel does i say that that person just enforced zionism to an extent whether he means to or not so you
0: you say to these uh, jewish people who feel that they need to get involved in speaking out on behalf of Israel's aggression against Palestinians, and you say, why? And I would say, I'm sure many of them have told you that it's because of the identity theft aspect. Fine. They feel this so- need because these people are masquerading as Jewish
1: people and telling all the world, we're the real Jews.
2: Zelensky is just bombing his own people. He's not like, we're doing this for Jews, right? I
1: agree with that sentiment, absolutely. So how do you respond and we, to that? I'll, here's how I respond. If Japan would say they're the real Jews, okay? they're the real jews they represent all the jews in the world right they have this ideology or something no jew would say okay we got to go protest on the uh, on the uh, side of taiwan if they're the hebrew israelites they claim they're the real jews nobody gets no jews say well they're claiming they're us we have to get involved in... if somebody steals your credit card and commits a crime with it right and he says i'm uh, i'm uh lara i and i committed a crime with your credit card and now you say it wasn't me it's identity theft you're not going to get involved in the uh, in the question of whether the person really committed a crime whether he's innocent or guilty all you say is give me back my credit card and leave me alone it's the same thing over here it's enough more than enough to say more than it's better to say look they're crazy that they're they're, they're no more jewish then Japanese who would claim that they're the real Jews. It has nothing to do with me. If they really believed in their heart of hearts, that it really was identity theft, they would say, these Israelis, they're crazy. They have nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with me. They're not the Jews. Leave me alone with that. And I want to tell you, uh, Michael and Lara, I really believe that if you really want to solve the problem, people ask, why do there, why are there those that oppose Israel's existence as opposed to the existence of, let's say, Russia. The reason why nobody opposes uh, the existence of Russia is because Russia's existence is not the cause of the problem. Hitler was the biggest monster in the history of the world, but nobody's going to say, well, let's oppose the existence of Germany because the existence of Germany is not the problem. History is full of bad actors, bad leaders, and you don't have to uh, negate the identity of their country to solve the problems that they cause. But here's the thing, Israel, in order for the problem in Israel to be solved, Israel has to change its identity. The problem is you cannot have a Jewish country, Jewish state, the way they define a Jewish state, and also be a democracy. And if they want to retain it as a Jewish state, that's the cause of the problem. So the problem is that Israel calls itself the Jewish state. Israel is different than all other countries in the world. There's, all other countries in the world are the countries of their citizens, meaning nationality and citizenship is uh, the same. Either it's the same immediately or eventually. Meaning, if you move to Italy and you become an Italian citizen, you serve in the Italian army, you imbibe Italian culture, eventually your family are going to be Italians. We in America, What's America? It's not even 300 years old. Well, everybody in America came from somewhere, right? Even France, Germany, they're more ancient, but you come to Germany eventually, you're German, right? You're German national, and you're German national, German citizen. Israel is the only country in the world that claims that it is not the country of its citizens. It's the country of the Jews. This is the point that causes the problem. There is no country in the world that claims that it's the country of people who are not its citizens, never were its citizens, don't claim to be its citizens, don't plan on being its citizens. That means two things. Thing Number one, if you live in Israel and you're not Jewish, although you may have civil rights to vote and things like that, Israel is not your country, meaning you, don't have, you do not have national self-determination rights in Israel. However, if you're somebody like me who lives outside of Israel, is not Israeli, I don't have a right to vote. I have no civil rights uh, in Israel. Israel is my country. Netanyahu claims he's my prime minister. Israel claims to be my state. Israel is the only country like this, nowhere else. Jonathan Pollard, after he got out of jail and he moved to Israel, he said uh, regarding dual loyalty that all Jews, yes, he would advise Americans to spy on America for Israel because Jews are loyal to Israel. You see, this is what they want. They want that Jews should identify as Israelis, but Israel's the only such country, and that's the cause of the problem. You know this nonsense about anti-Zionism being anti-Semitism that they yes. say?
2: We've never heard
1: that before. <laughs> uh, would you, could you expand on that? Yeah, I, I will expand on that. There are oodles and oodles of different reasons and justifications that various Zionists give for that. But the reason why they invented, they concocted this thing. Benjamin Netanyahu writes this in his book. Okay, and Israel has it on its website in an article by a Victor Lieberman, and Dani Ayalon wrote about it. too. he said he mentioned it in an interview. Also, it's an equation: what France is to the French, and Japan is to the Japanese, Israel is to the finish that finish that formula. Israel is to the Jews, weapons ah, manufacturers. Is. <laughs> if Israel oh, oh, would okay, not have if Israel would not have Zionism. France is to the French, what Japan is to the Japanese, what Israel is to the Israelis. But says these Zionists, no, that's not the case. Japan is to the Japanese, what France is to the French, what Israel is to the Jews. And here's the second half of the formula. And just as you cannot be against the existence of French and say, I still want the French people to exist, and you cannot be against the existence of Japan and still say, I want the Japanese people to exist, you cannot say by the same token, I am against the existence of Israel and I want the Jewish people to exist. You see, it's all this identity theft. It's called, it's a new thing, about 20 years old, maybe, identity Zionism, Google it. Identity Zionism.
2: We don't need to Google it. We interact with people who live it all the time.
1: Oh like yes. a personality trait. Yeah, there, there's something to it. It's something more to it. I have in front of me an article by Stephen Bame, one of the big influential Zionists, in uh, a journal called Jewish Political Studies Review, Spring 2008. Okay, it's called American Jewry and the State of Israel: How Intense the Bonds of Peoplehood. Okay, now. We know that this really is the crux of Zionism. How intense the bonds of peoplehood. There is no bond of peoplehood between the state of Israel and American Jewry. But here's what he says, okay? Lastly, Jews and Americans alike need to understand the centrality of Israel to the identification of Jews as Jews. The Palestinians, they tell me like, oh, just give me my lands back. Just, I don't care what a Jew is or what's going on. Just give me my lands back. That's all I want. All Which I is want Which is fair, right? It's, it's that's a fair. super fair, fair critique <laughs> from that's, Palestinians, that's, that's, I feel. That, that's, that's fully fair. And I'm yeah. not faulting them for that, but I'm saying that it would enhance their arguments, their case if they would be able to counter Zionism, you see there's two things going on over here. There's Israel is a country. Uh, The Israelis are a people. And then there's the Palestinians. They're a people and they're a country. But there's another thing over here that's the problem. It's an ideology. It's called Zionism. That ideology needs to be attacked and negated and by looking at this like the Hatfields and the McCoys or like the Chinese and the Uyghur Muslims or like any other problem, uh, you're not going to find real solutions. You want to know what my solution is? My solution is negate Zionism instead of all the energy and resources uh, put, being put into discussing one state solution two state solution those discussions go nowhere that if the amount of discussion and time and effort and brain power that is being put into this ideas about one state two state we need to sever the connection between yes. israel and jews and yes. that connection yeah. in english is called that glue that connection is called zionism Can you talk about how
2: Zionism is actually Christian and it was prophetized by Christians to Jews for the longest time to like a very tepid reaction for like hundreds of years? And you could not find a Jewish Zionist for the longest time.
0: They say you can't be a Jew without being a Zionist. That's what they say. Yeah.
1: How did that that change? That's identity Zionism. You see, the Christians, we call them evangelicals today in America. We know that there are millions of these uh, evangelicals. And they believe that the Jews are going to return to the Holy Lands, and that's going to pave the way for the coming of their Messiah again. And there are different opinions amongst the Christians. The Jews will either be killed, they'll convert, or uh, some other option. Those are the two main lines: killed or converted. So these—that z-
2: sounds like uh, Herzl's plan, huh? Come on.
1: <laughs> well, well, actually, uh, a, a Reverend William uh, Hechler. Uh, approached Herzl after he saw Herzl's book in 1890. I think he had a prophecy or he had some kind of permutations of biblical uh, words that said 1896, the Christian Messiah is going to come. And that was approximately when Herzl wrote his book. And he came to Herzl that he's a fulfillment of the prophecy, and he was a he was a very well connected with royalty and heads of state, and he helped Herzl get uh, connected. The Christians, the late 1500s, early 1600s, there was this Christian movement. Only Protestants, not not the Catholics, they're not involved in this, which is why America and UK are much more, uh, have much more Christian Zionists and not France and Italy or Greece, right? Because it's not a Catholic thing, it's a Protestant thing. Anyway, so they, they had this idea. The Jews, of course, rejected it because, you know, we have a different Messiah than they do, a different religion than they do. The Jews also rejected Zionism because we have a different religion than they do. We do have a Messiah and they don't. Zionists figured, guys like Herzl, they're going to use the Christian Zionists to get a state. They're going to join forces with them for a common cause. Let's get the Jews a state. And they they did. They worked hard at it together. Lord Balfour uh, was one of them and uh, Balfour Declaration. Meantime, Zionists were also using the religious Jews, telling them your religious aspiration to live in the Holy Land at least, to live in the Holy Land. Next year in Jerusalem, you know, they're trying to change their mindset uh, no without telling them that this is from the christians you know and so they're using the christians they're using the jews the religious jews actually the religious jewish zionists uh, said let's let's use the zionists Uh, these religious jews made a terrible horrible mistake then but they said let's use the zionists to get us a place free of anti-semitism and we're not going to allow them to give us any ideology or religion. We believe they just want a Jew shouldn't be killed. There shouldn't be any more pogroms. Oh. Let's find a place. You know, everybody was using everybody else, and uh, now we have the mess that we have today, where they can't even define uh, what a Jew is.
0: I ask you about scripture, Jewish scripture. A lot of the times, Zionists will try to bring that into the conversation and say, no, there's a basis for us going back to this land and ruling this land, and it comes from our religion. You know, the, the the old, this book tells me to be here and to come here and live here and rule over this land. And then when you hear from some religious Jews, they will tell you that, uh, in fact, it's actually the opposite. I'd like to know what your position is on what the scripture actually says. A Jewish person's connection or relationship has to be with that land.
1: First, it should not surprise you that there are these differences of interpretation, because Christians will tell you that in the Bible, it proves that Jesus is the Messiah. And there are verses in it saying Muslims will tell me, I've been told by Muslims, that my own scriptures predict the prophet Muhammad is coming. And Zionism is its own religion, okay? So they also have their scriptural proofs it's okay it's doesn't that doesn't say anything uh, derogatory about the scriptures themselves there are uh doctors who are anti-vaxxers that'll show you from biology that vaccinations are bad and everybody claims to have proofs that nobody says that they got a vision from god actually there are those that say they got a prophecy straight from god but it shouldn't it shouldn't surprise you in any case that there are these differences of interpretation. According to Judaism, the land is holy. It was the same Jerusalem and the same Holy Land when the Romans had it, when the Mamluks had it, when the British had it. What The only thing that will affect its holiness is the behavior of people in the land. If people behave in a godlike manner, the land itself becomes holier. If people behave uh, against God... Then the land itself becomes less holy. It's a spiritually sensitive land, and uh, Jews were there when we had King David, when we had prophets, when we had a much higher level of uh, fulfillment of Judaism than we do today. And then came the idol worshippers, and God said, as it says in the Bible, uh, "If you worship idols, we're going to God is going to kick you out of the land." And in fact, Jews say that. Passage three times a day in, in our prayers. And God did that. And we went back once and we got kicked out again. It was because of our sins. Yes, the Romans were the rod of God's wrath at the 2000 years ago, but this is our belief. My argument isn't with somebody that says, okay, we don't believe that. So, but my answer to me, you: Don't believe that. Then, why do you need the holy? Wh- what is the holy land anyway? Then, what's a Jew?
2: What if the people yeah. there set up an apartheid state and spray it down with skunk water? Would you say that is acting in God's light?
1: Anything that's against the Jewish religion—anything, stealing, killing, breaking the Sabbath, eating non-kosher food—Benjamin Netanyahu is a classic example of a uh, complete uh, somebody who the land vomits out, as the scripture says. And the the land, when a guy like Netanyahu or the Zionists are in the land, the holy land uh, screams in agony. We can't hear it because we don't have spiritual enough ears. The land screams in agony every moment that these people are violating Jewish law.
2: That's wild. I was just looking for like maybe a yes or a no, but that is <laughs> probably a better no, answer. This is, Judaism,
1: <laughs> Judaism is much deeper and, and more, much more profound and involved than most of the people who are busy with the debate about Zionism will tell you because for the most part, it's a political debate. Palestinians have a right, historical right, uh, all, all these kind of things. The, the land screams in agony when the Muslims were there. In Jerusalem, you know, it used to be that Yes. Look, there was a golden age of Jews in in Muslim lands. There were certain times and places where it was better for Jews, certain times that it was less good. But I I know people that say they they remembered when I was in high school, the dean of my school said that 25 years ago, okay, uh, you could meet people who lived in Jerusalem and the women never went to synagogue because they were taking care of their family, which according to Judaism is a very religious and holy Function more so than going to the synagogue. Children are God's most valuable, Judaism's most valuable possession. And uh, taking care of that, except one day on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, even though who babysat the children? Muslim women in Jerusalem. They babysat the children. And these Muslim women, they, you know, look, we're talking about God, we're talking about religion. I know that the Zionists say we're, we're not a religious country. Fine. No problem. I'm a religious man. Without religion, there is no definition of Jew. And you asked me from the Jewish religious perspective, Muslim woman that dress in a modest manner, OK, the way they did. We're talking about religious Muslim woman, OK, a religious Muslim man that fulfills from a Jewish perspective, the seven commandments that non-Jews have to fulfill. You can't steal. You can't kill. You don't com- you don't uh, practice idol worship and Muslims. Don't. Uh, whether you hold like Ibn Rushd or Al-Ghazali, it doesn't matter. I know about these Muslim philosophers only from Jewish medieval writings. That's all. I, that's where I know it from. I never studied Islam, but Maimonides and uh, Rabbi Chizkij Kreshkash and other Jewish philosophers discuss the Muslim writings, and if uh, they don't practice idolatry and they don't kill and they don't steal and they set up a system of law it doesn't have to be jewish law a, a relatively fair system of law however they want a civil law uh, they you're not allowed to eat limbs off live animals that's one of the rules that's just the way it is um if you fulfill the seven commandments you're closer to god than theodore herzl ever was I'm telling you as a rabbi, a law-abiding average Muslim that doesn't worship idols, doesn't kill, doesn't steal, and fulfills the seven commandments is closer to God than a heretic, uh, anti-God, anti-Jewish guy like Theodore Herzl. Judaism is a meritocracy. If somebody wants, it's not, they can convert to Judaism. The only difference between me and somebody who's not Jewish in terms of, you know, being chosen is that. I have no choice. I was born Jewish. They could choose if they want. It's no problem. King David again in the Bible. Ruth was a Moabite. She converted. Her descendant is King David. We have no. Pro- There's no problem with converts. Convert if you want. It's not a race. It's not a ethnicity. It's a relationship with God. It's a being deputized into God's work. That's all. Being Jewish is, and the Holy Land is spiritual, just like people have a soul. People have a soul besides a body places have souls too. And the soul of the Holy Land is higher, holier than the soul of the other places all over the earth. It's the best place, most conducive to connecting to God. Just like there are times of year that are holier than others, there are places that are holier. I'm certain in Islam, this is not a a strange idea.
0: No, and in fact, that was one of the most refreshing parts of reading the book, was getting to know more about the Jewish conception of God and the notion, you know, I, I I wrote it down in my notes here. You refer to God as Hashem, all powerful, infinite, and boundless creator of the universe, who is perfect and needs nothing. That is perfectly, exactly consistent with Islamic theology and and creed and belief. So the necessary it, existence, it is really the first cause. Interesting and heartwarming to to be aware of that as well as a Muslim.
1: We could do the work that God. Revealed to us would be beneficial for us and to the world and to the universe and to our souls and to everybody If anywhere wherever we live and God sends us wherever he wants to be to go Create a war and as you surely know even before 1948 there was six months of a civil war That that took place there the Arab countries the neighboring Arab Arab countries could not uh, Invade then because it was under the auspices of England and you'd be starting up with the UK and as soon as the mandate ended, then there was the war. But to, to make a war and have people die for, for land is, is just the, the, the most ridiculous thing, according to Judaism. If there was a prophet and God said, you know what, this is theology. When God tells Joshua, go conquer the holy land, what that means is God decided it's time for every individual you know, to die sooner or later. This is their time. This is fate. This is the world. This is what happens. We're not, we're not cutting short anybody's life. It's nature, God. It's all run by the same force. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And, and, but, but for people to get up and, and pick up guns, and even, you know, the 1967 war, there were Jews that say it was worth it because we got the wall. The wall is holy, yes, fine. But human beings are much more holy that that they sh- than a wall if you they they sacrificed men women and children their own people even for a wall what are you crazy you know according to jewish law it, except for three capital sins we commit the sin rather than put somebody's life in danger and if there's a 1% chance that somebody's life is in danger he will eat on the On Yom Kippur, he will break the Sabbath because it's a commandment by God to save life, that life is holy. The entire Zionist ideology from beginning to end is is so antithetical to Judaism. And this is why the Zionists made Zionism, because they knew that Jews didn't like wars. We would rather run than fight. You know, General Patton said, you don't want to die for your country. You want the other guy to die for his country. Jews don't want anybody to die. If there's somebody's chasing us, we'll run. Does that make me a coward? No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. In martial arts, that's the first thing they teach you: avoid a fight. That's what we did. We didn't have warriors. You know, we don't have whole, we don't have uh, the holy cities or sites named after places of war, like the Alamo, for example. The Bible is full of wars all over the place, right? But the sites of the wars are not significant to us they're not important to us we don't name our children after warriors we never aspired to be warriors this made the zionists sick you know i once spoke to a christian minister and i mentioned this to him he was talking about the wars and king david and i said king david wrote the psalms nowhere in king david's psalms will you hear the type of talk that you would hear from other kings i'm going to kill my enemies i'm going to be the strongest guy never he talks about God, save me from my enemies. God, you do this for me. And then he says, one thing, altime Hashem. one thing I ask of God, Oisah It's only this that I'm going to ask. Shivti I want to sit in the house of Lord, the Lord, all my life. To a bask in the splendor of God, Ulavaka and to consistently visit God's domain. That's all we wanted to do, and that drove the Zionists crazy. Where's the Jewish art? Where's the Jewish architecture? Where's the Jewish sports? Where's the Jewish strongmen? And most of all, where are the Jewish warriors? Our attitude was, go do it, become them if that's what you want. But they did not succeed because of the pogroms. So they said, we're going to change all of you, all of you, all of us, we're going to steal your identity. We're going to tell the world, our wars are your wars. Our country is your country. We are the state of the Jews. We, our wars are the wars of the Jews. We are fighting for you. Our prime minister is the prime minister of the Jews. And that is why Zionism is so antithetical, so, so the opposite of Judaism. And the, the, I, I, the notion I
0: about Jews never having military heroes, you wrote about that in your book, and mm-hmm. it was, I, it really touched me. You said, they never had military heroes. We only looked up to righteous people, never to yes. the warrior, the athlete, mm-hmm. or the artist. It would be unthinkable for the Jews to have the scene of a military battle become a national attraction. Meanwhile, compare that to what Israel is. Oh my! God. Everybody has to serve in the military. Everyone. That's right. It's a state that-
1: of... And that's why Ben-Gurion called the military the melting pot. This is precisely why they they insist on drafting all the ultra-Orthodox Jews. And now you know why we refuse to go. They will refuse to serve their country. Oh, no. The purpose of Israel's army is not merely to be a military. The purpose of Israel's army is to be a melting pot. It's a church of Zionism. You know that they teach about Judaism and Jewish identity in the army? This is it's ridiculous. The army is their church of Zionism. And by the way, if you ever argue with any Zionists, this idea that Zionism is the only country in the world that doesn't represent its citizens, they have no answer.
2: Can you talk about how like the entire Zionist story is synthetic, how they themselves change their names? And tried to assimilate to like a more Middle Eastern style culture?
1: Yeah. So, entire Zionist history, culture, Jewish identity is all contrived. It's synthetic, it's artificial. If people sat down and they still do today. There are think tanks, uh, JPPI, and various others like that. And I think, how could we? further advance Zionism? How could we change the story? How could we better the story? How could we progress? How could we get more followers? And one of the things they did was they wanted to make Jews appear as if they are organically connected to the Holy Land, but not from a religious perspective, not from a spiritual perspective, not from a God-centric perspective, rather from a national perspective. So many of them came from Russia, from Poland, and they, they spoke Yiddish most of them. The Sfardim spoke Arabic, actually. I have Jews or friends from Syria. They speak Arabic. So they started by changing the language that the Jews, they wanted the Jews to speak to Hebrew. No more Yiddish. A Yiddish is a dialect of German.
2: Even the modern invention of Hebrew is not the same as the ancient language of Hebrew, N- right? It's no, a reconstruct.
1: It, it, more than a reconstruct, it's blasphemous. You mentioned the language. In, in the Talmud, when there are discussions between rabbis and the discussion is not uh, concluded, the question remains unanswered. So there's a phrase, it's called teiku. Teiku, in English you'd spell, I guess, T-A-I-K-U, okay? Teiku. And it's used exclusively as a words to say this rabbinic, legal, religious discussion has not been resolved. Today, they changed the meaning of that word. They use it to describe a tie in a soccer match. Do you understand what they're trying to do over here? There's a word we speak about when we mention God. And 99.9% of the time, it's only used in regarding God. It's called Kaviochel. The word Kaviochel means ah, as if. In, in the Talmud, there are sections that dis- that discuss not technical, legal Jewish law, but morals and and religion and theology. It's called Agoda. In modern Hebrew, that word means a fairy tale. You see what they did? They they did this, they changed the Hebrew accent uh, to make it more Middle Eastern, to drive a wedge between fathers and children. Now imagine this, you have a father, a guy who looks like me, or a grandfather, a, a European guy in Hungary or Poland or Russia, and he has a, a son or a grandson who's a Zionist, and he uses the word God, kaviochal, And to this kid, it means as if. Kid starts laughing, right? Uh, or or he discusses a serious rabbinic discussion, and he says, well, the teku, and that means a, a soccer score, a soccer tie. It's, it's made to mock judaism and to mock jews so they changed their names they had regular european russian names Mil- milakovsky and grun ben-gurion was grun or green depends how you pronounce you know the u with two dots on top of it all of these guys they all these names aren't really natural organic uh names of their families they changed it and ben-gurion right. made a rule that over a certain uh level of Uh, employment uh, or in the army, an officer or employ you have to change your name. Everything, the whole history is a fake. Their identity is a fake. And it's my identity that they stole. This is it, you know, Zionism is anti-Semitic. Zionism is anti-Jewish. And the solution? We have to get rid of Zionism.
0: I, I definitely agree with that, that they're leaning more into espousing alleged religious imagery and ideology. We see images and videos coming out of Palestine of settlers literally kicking Palestinians out of their homes. They're dressed in some sort of Jewish-appearing mm. clothing. They present as being very religious Jews. Uh,
1: the, the settlers are like in the olden days, in the days of the Bible, where you had religious Jews who worshipped the Baal idol. Settlers are have many behaviors of Orthodox Jews, but they're also idol worshippers. They, they got their ideology like for pagan idol worship and German vitalism. And this is where Rabbi Cook got his stuff from. Nationalism. And it's a whole big mix of all sorts of pagan, non-Jewish uh, nationalist philosophies and all they did was put a yarmulke on all of it and grow their long payers and say okay now we have a new type of judaism absolutely disavow them they are idol worshipers pagan land worshipers who are also orthodox they just mixed both together
2: without realizing it they became christian jews (laughs) fulfilling the christian philosophy of
1: zionism yeah by the way the evangelicals support them and they have they have buildings and structures with evangelical names of evangelicals on the buildings as the donors
2: yeah totally all right rabbi i think that's a good place for us to wrap up uh thank you so much for joining us here today on the palestine pod we have been such big fans of your work and i just want to say personally thank you so much for providing the documentation that allowed me to open my eyes to reality
1: thank you i really appreciate you having me on thank you thank you so much rabbi shabbat shalom shabbat great guys. to see shabbat shalom. you.
2: Folks, uh, that has been another episode of The Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our full episodes and sources, www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at thepalestinepod. Send us an email at palestinepod@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And look for us on Patreon, www.patreon.com palestinepod. That's been another episode of The Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>
1: Rabbi, testing one two three. How we doing?
2: We can hear you great. We can see you well. You've got a very professional setup, sir. Good
1: to see you. Hey, good to see you, Michael and Lara. And I have. It looks like you have a morning radio show. Honestly, <laughs> hey, that's what it looks like. Yeah, that's what this equipment is made for. And I have something called Roadcaster Pro over here.
0: Oh wow, that's very professional. Yeah, that's... yeah,
1: I have that mixer. So you know, I'm hooked up here. <laughs> May as well use it.
2: You have like Dr. Dre's setup. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's right. Actually, Michael Jackson used this mic to record Thriller. Hold up, that exact mic or like well, that no, type of mic? This this brand and this, okay this I was yeah, like, dog, where own... did you get Michael no, no, Jackson's no, no,
2: no. mic from? Like that's we're gonna have to start the podcast asking no. a few questions about that, I think.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. No, sure <laughs> advertises <laughs> that. When they advertise this SM seven B, that's what they say. They say this mic recorded my was used by Michael Jackson. Well, not this very one, but this yeah. Sure SM seven B, you know. So you how know, are we this... doing, guys? We're doing so well. How are you, sir? I'm good. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom to you too.
0: So we are so lucky and and privileged and honored to have you with us today. You actually, have to get your book rebound because the pages have started to come out of the the binding.
2: Oh boy. Okay, humble brag about how much <laughs> well, she's read is- the book.
0: Wow. No, I'm serious. It's Can just you- a stack of pages now.
1: <laughs> we haven't even started you know the interview.
0: <laughs> Lara, Lara, email I'm me serious. Your addre-
1: Lara, email me your address and I'll send you a replacement on the house. In fact, the latest <laughs> print, which came from China, long story, they actually censored the book. They because mm. um, I wrote the words Tibet in there and Taiwan and their scanners found it and they censored it. But our binding is better quality now. It's a um stitch binding. Yeah. The old style, although the print was photo offset as opposed to the one you have, which is inkjet. Yours has better print. But the binding's better on this one. I'll send yeah. you replacement. Oh, that would be amazing. On the house, gratis. Yes. And Michael, you wow. send me your address in LA. I'll send you one too. How's that? Oh.
2: That's very kind. I was going to say because I actually destroyed the binding
1: on mine too, and it's an ebook. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're a comedian. That was good. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Oh, okay, this is. I'm having so much fun already.